If you were here last week, we were looking at good stewards, and we continue that because we only had a short time and only covered the first point. If you look in your order of service, you'll find the outline there. We may only cover the second point today. Good stewards, steward, oikonomai is the word in the Greek, and oikonomos. And we get our word economy from that. So there is an economy. There's a management of the household affairs, the administration of the property of others. In our Bible, the word is a dispensation. You've been given a period of time to do this. Paul was given a special dispensation, and he declares it with that word in Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 1 and following there, particularly verse 2. You've been given a dispensation of the grace of God. Manage it well. And I think Paul couldn't have managed it any better than what he did without a car or a helicopter or an aeroplane. <laughs> he went all over Europe starting churches and establishing them. And on his way, he went starting churches. On his return, he went back and appointed leadership in the churches. And interesting, as you look at those things in the Word of God, they they come out and and as you get the broader picture you know when you read the bible you can go down to little things and i tend to do that but looking at in the context of where these things are written and in the context of the portion we read last week in matthew 25 where they were given talents one two one five and one one talent and they were ordered as stewards to take care of the business that god had given them in life and we all are given exactly that we have been given abilities natural abilities and then we've been given gifts upon salvation or gift that we are to use for God's glory in the context of Matthew 25 you have to go back to chapter 24 because there at the Lord well chapter 23 the Lord had just condemned the religious leaders of his day Woe, woe, woe are you people. You've rejected everything I've said. You're going to reject and crucify me. Then in chapter 20, and he talked about the temple being destroyed and things, and the disciples said, oh, when is this going to happen? And what's going to be the sign of their coming? He, they asked two questions in the start of chapter 24. and uh, Sorry, 25. And then the Lord proceeded to answer the second question, the sign of his coming, this is where we find this parable of the talents. So put it in its context, because in the context it talked about and referred back to the book of Daniel, when Daniel saw the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, it specifically says that. So putting it back in its context, when does that happen? Well, it happens after the church is gone. But does that say we don't apply the principles that is in the story of the, the parable of the talents to us today. No, we can apply the same principles. So the interpretation is, for that time, but an application for us today can be, yes, yes, this is for us. And so we need to take this on board and we need to live this. So we looked last week at the requirements of good stewards, those who have been given, given an economy, oikonomy, <laughs> oikonomos, as the Greek word says. The requirements, we must be... Conscious of the position we have, 
We must be compliant to the master. Yes, sir. <laughs> he's, been, he's given us a job, a task to do. Have you found out what it is? When you become a Christian, the first thing is what Paul said. When he got saved, the moment he got saved, remember on the road to Damascus? What, what, what did Paul say? Who are, he said, who art thou, Lord? Once that was settled, I'm Jesus whom you persecute. And then he said what? Lord, Lord, what will have me to do? I mean, that was pretty quick, wasn't it? That was dedication on the spot. And he, he, he got right onto it and he preached almost straight away. You see, he had no training, but he did have training at Gamaliel's feet. He had training in the Orthodox Jews in the way, in the Sanhedrin. He was part of all that. So he knew his Old Testament and everything fell into place. And he was able to preach immediately because he'd studied the scriptures, though unsaved. And that can happen. People can get a knowledge of the word, but then get saved. And then that knowledge can be used to teach the word. And that's Paul's case. But he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? What about us? Have we, have we yet said, Lord, what would you have me to do? Challenge. So this is what stewardship is about. This is what, the, yeah, what, what, what thing has he given you to do? So we've seen the requirements of good stewards and it must be consistent was the third point. Now we look at the responsibilities of a good steward. And as I said last week, we're probably going to stand on some toes today. If you've read through the outline, you may have got that already. And I can, well, we'll get there and, and go through it. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that it teaches us in all things. Lord, let us put it in its context. Let's get the interpretation right and, and make the application, which are many, to our lives. And Lord, so we, we can't say, oh, that's for another generation at a different time. Lord, it is for us to abide by the principles of your word that we might live holy and godly and righteously in this wicked world. And bless the word as it goes forth. May your spirit apply it to our lives and may each one of us, where we are in our lives, make an effort to say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Let me apply these truths and our blessings will come. We ask and pray your blessing on the service today and for those that cannot be here for sickness or for being aged, that you'd minister to them and that they might be able to be listening in right now. Uh, Lord, bless those that do listen in over the period of the month. Many, many people are listening to the word from here. Bless them. Encourage them wherever they are. For those who are in sick beds, Lord, help and encourage them. And we've been reminded of two today, Brother Sorette and Brother Benji. And Lord, the hard times they're going through with the chemotherapy they're having, Lord, strengthen them. We ask your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> the responsibility of good stewards. So looking in your bulletin there and following the outline along. <clears throat> First of all, be a good steward of time. I haven't heard an older person say yet that I got here slowly. <laughs> it's always, how did I get here <laughs> so quickly? <laughs> when we get older, and a lot of, <laughs> they might be thinking, well, I've got a lot I'd like to do yet. 
But you get to a point in life where your physical body doesn't allow you to do it anymore. <laughs> That's ageing. It's called ageing. And we've got to accept that. That's a part of growing old and eventually dying. It's appointed under man once to die. It's Bible too. Hey, if Adam and Eve hadn't done what they did, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be dying. <laughs> but because of that, we die. And uh, in, in God's mercy and grace, he's assigned a time that we have on this planet. How, how long is that? A, bless, a blessed life, according to the word of God, is three score. That's two, three twenties and ten. That's 70. And, and, and I'm, I know we've got a few here today that are over 70. Have we been good stewards of time? Have you been conscious of seconds ticking past? Oh, Pastor, you can't get so detailed. I think we can. Time is important. Time is a gift given by God to us to live a life on planet Earth. There's a time for the, there's a Proverbs, Tony. A time for this and a time for that. There's a time for everything. There's a time to train. There's a time to grow up. There's a time to play as a child. And you move on through life. There's a time for everything. And there's a time when we must come to face the Lord in salvation. A time for sanctification. A time for glorification. When we get our new body, there's time for everything. But are we being good stewards of our time? We say 70 years is what God has promised and you're blessed if you have 70 years. And I looked up and the average age, uh, the average life in Australia in 1970, that's 1970, that's what, 50 years, 50 years ago, was 71. So we're pretty biblical back then. <laughs> but through the invention of tablets and blood this and blood pressure that, and I have a couple of them. <laughs> you know, our lives have been extended. And the average life of a person in Australia now, men and women, women put together, is 83. So in just 50 years, the average life expectancy has gone up, what, 12 years. 12 years. The government didn't reckon on this. When they set the pension at 65, they said, well, all these guys are going to be dead by 70, so we won't have to pay it. But now they've got a problem. They've got 12 more years where they have to keep <laughs> the average. That's what's happened, and they, they recognise that fact. And so they're trying to do all sorts. They introduce superannuation. <laughs> so it's, you've got some of your own when you get to that age. But time is important. Not one day should pass without some service because we have been given talents, given opportunities, given gifts. Ephesians 5, 15 and 17 reads, See that ye walk circumspectly like a cat on cut glass, <laughs> not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise but understand what the will of the Lord is. You see, if we understand what the will of the Lord is, what he has gifted us with and what we do with those gifts, we'll understand his will and then we'll apply ourselves using time wisely, redeeming the time. We can redeem the time or we can waste our time. What's the saying there when you, you just sit and do nothing and you, it's, not, it's not wasting time? There's a saying we have in Australia. Killing, killing time, that's it. 
killing time. And that's literally what you're doing. <laughs> killing opportunity. Killing time. Now, there is a time, as the Lord said to the disciples, come aside for a while and rest. We need to do that, in our, especially in our society today, with the pressures that are upon us. But time is a thing that's spoken of quite often. Let's turn to the, the book of James, chapter 4 and verse 14. James 4, 14. <clears throat> And these men who were chosen to be the apostles who were chosen by the Lord, they were, they were already in their late 20s, 30s when they got, got going for the Lord and got saved and, and the church started. And so they, they went for it. They knew that time was of the essence. And James tells us in chapter 4 and verse 14, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapour that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For you ought to say, if the Lord will. This goes back to the Lord's will, doesn't it? Ephesians did, and James does. If the Lord will, we shall do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boasting, all such rejoicing is evil. And I think the, the wish of a, of a rich man when he gets to the end of his life is that he had what? More time. More time. Because I've got all this money, and I haven't got time to spend it. <laughs> And all this wealth and all these things. But I'm going to die. Understand what the will of the Lord is. <laughs> Don't waste the time. It's very precious. How much are we willing to pay for time when we'd like some more of it? How much are we willing to make society pay that we might have more time to live? Go to the hospitals and see the cost of having operations. I got the heart valve replaced nine days in hospital, $45,000 later. That's what it costs to keep me alive for a little bit longer. They say I would have been dead by now if I didn't get it done. The valve closed up. Thing from birth, they picked it up at 25. Got it done at 60, 60 was it? But it costs a lot to keep your ticker going a little bit longer. And all these procedures, that's society paying for me to live a little bit longer. If we had to pay for that ourselves, what would we be willing to pay for some more time? You see, at the end of life, we were willing to pay quite a price. But during our young days, we flit away time. We spend our time like it was nothing. It's a gift of God. And one day we'll be accountable for every day, every minute, every hour of that time. That's what the Bible says. As I say, it's, it's a, maybe hard to hear, but we need to hear this. And the earlier we hear this in life, the better. James 4.14, yes. Um, 1 Peter. Just go over a little bit to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 24. Where it refers to time. For all flesh is like grass, and all the glory of man like the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and its flower falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. <laughs> We're likened to grass, the flesh. It's like the flower of grass. Today is, tomorrow's not, cast into the oven, it's done, it's finished. And if you're younger and think you've got a lot of time, talk to an elderly person, go to an old people's home, talk to them and see... 
how long did it take to get here? <laughs> well, I'm 86. No, no, that's not what we meant. Did it go quick? Did it go slow? And well, it went quick. The Bible says that. In, and we won't turn to all the others, and you've heard them before. It's like a weaver's shuttle when, you know, in the making of the carpets. This place down Geelong still does the old method of antique things, and you can see it. Bang, bang. We put another row of whatever into the, into the carpet or the, the, the cloth. We, that, that's what Job said. 7 and verses 6 to 7. It's like a wind in the same verses. It's like a shadow that comes and goes. Job 8, 9. It's like a post. Swifter than a post. It's like a flower and a shadow in Job 14. Now, remember what Job was going through? All his troubles and he thought the end was near. And so he's referring to these things a lot of times in his life about time. It's like a handbreadth. Psalm 39 and verse 5. It's like a shadow in Psalm 144 and verse 5. And verse 14, <clears throat> when we want something hard enough, we're, we're willing to make time. You tell me where you spend your time and pretty well you can tell where that person's heart is. Because where you spend your time, you'll make time to do it. And it's not making time, it's not extra, it's just your putting thing, other things aside to make time for that very important thing you want to do, you want to accomplish. And so, <clears throat> what are you doing? What are we doing? <laughs> Matthew 16, verses 24 to 26, talks there about denying ourselves. Denying ourselves. That we might make time for other things instead of spending that time on ourselves. First Peter and verse 17 the time will come is come the judgment must begin at the house of God amongst the children of God amongst his people and if it first begin at us what shall the end be of those that obey not the gospel let's judge ourselves that we be not judged and spend our time wisely and so the responsibility of a steward who has been given these things is to be a good steward of time a second thing that we need to be a good steward of is our talent. And these all tie together. All of us have, have talents. And our scripture reading this morning spoke of those in chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians. If you'd like to turn back and have a look at those thoughts that were given to us from Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> Ephesians 4 and verse 11. Where we read, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and, and teachers... God gave these to the church for the perfecting of the saints, to help Christians to grow. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers are given for that purpose. For the perfecting of the saints, for the saints, it doesn't say that, but for the saints do the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statute of the fullness of Christ. It's like in most things in life, a machine has got all these moving parts, but they all contribute to getting you here to church or whatever, harvesting the crop. I, think, I don't think there's anything with more moving parts than a harvester. <laughs> Belts and cogs and things whirling around. Go out and have a look at them when they harvest this year. Next, this year. <laughs> And see all their moving parts. But they all, and if one bit stops, 
and the whole machine stops. Interesting, in, in relation to a church, if we're not all putting our part in, the machine's not functioning as it should. The body is not working as it should. You know, if you get a bad big toe, it hurts the whole body, doesn't it? It, seems, it says up here it's hurting, but it's down there. And so it is with the work of the Lord. But it's, we're all given these talents, these abilities for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the, to build each other up, to edify one another, and that, it, that the work of the Lord might go forward and have his blessing upon that. <clears throat> all of us have talents, according to these verses. And I think in the whole of chapter, well, most of Romans 12 and most of 1 Corinthians 12 talk about those, those talents and at least those abilities, those gifts that have been given. I like what was said to, to Moses. You know, how, how am I going to do this work? You know, when he was challenged to go down to Pharaoh and deliver the people of Israel from Egypt. And uh, what was God's reply? He said, God said, what's in your hand? Oh, I've got something in my hand. <laughs> i got a rod in my hand. And then he cast it down and the serpent and all those things that, that happened there. What's in your hand? What ability have you? And then just... Referring to personally, when I was only 17, what was in my hand? What did I have that I could use for other people? Because, you, you know, at that age, you, you, you're about 18. It was 18 when I got a bulldozer. <laughs> what can you do that, in God's work with a bulldozer? You can't push people around. I found that out. <laughs> you all got wills. <laughs> But, you know, the, the Lord can. I'll leave that to him. I'll learn to leave that to him. <laughs> but there's a dam needs building. And, and, and old Pastor Barton from Benella knew that. And uh, he whispered a few things and it didn't take long for the penny to drop. They need all the sites pushed out for the campsite. They need a dam, a lake, because it's so dry up there. You wouldn't want to go camping up there without water. And so two weeks up there in the break on the big dam we're building for Melbourne's Water Reserve. We went up there with a the machine. Dad didn't like it. He's probably not listening. Because <laughs> he said, you need to fix a bulldozer. You don't need to take it up there to Baptist <laughs> to, to, to do that. Anyway, the bulldozer kept going and it never broke down. We got up there and put the dam in and done all the sites. And Brother Frank Lacey was with me. We lived in the caravan through the thunderstorms and the, everything that happened. And we got it done. We went a long, lot of hours, long day, 16-hour day on the machine to get it done. But was, what's in your hand, you see? And it happened again at, like, the, the other one, the other campsite. And, and that one was... <clears throat> my bulldozer was up here then, and I said, oh, I'm going to do it again, we're going to do a lake. And I said to my brother, I'm going to do a lake at the camp. Can you give us a D7, not a D6 that I had? And then after a few weeks, months it was, he's, he wasn't doing anything. He said, I, I rang him, I said, I'm taking the D6 down there. <laughs> no, 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 don't do that. And so he and my cousin got two D7s. And in 14 days, we did the lake. You see, what's in your hand? You say, it can be used, and it's been used of the Lord down there. And, you know, we've given up the place, we've sold it. But what ability have you? There, there are people that are thinking this way now 
Instead of the church having to finance missionaries to go over to overseas, train in a field that can be used overseas where you can go and work overseas and be fully supported from the job you do for that country and be a missionary and start a church. I think there's some good thinking in that. Some very logic in that. And I've heard it recently. Some people have said that. We've trained in this area. We can go anywhere in the world and be a missionary from a local church, of course, sent out, and be use, use our talent and what's in our hand to do the work. Think that way, young people, because God can use you in what field that you've, cha- you've been challenged by him too. Good stewards of our talents. <clears throat> what did the man do? that got one talent he went and buried it and I hadn't thought of it before I thought this week as I was thinking through it again you know we have a dog that did that (laughs) he buried his bone what was it Stussy Stussy (laughs) and so I check it out where was it where's this dog burying his bones and so I just looked at it when it was given a bone and it couldn't eat it all it was only a little one and I watched it and went, went down there and so I went down there after to thought I'd done it secretly and just stood next to it and started kicking the dirt around and looked at me and it come up near me. <laughs> you know, what a waste. The, 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 I, know, I suppose dog eat, dogs eat rotten meat, but <laughs> burying the bone for a later meal. And you know what? It never seemed to go and dig him up again. It, I forgot where the bone was or couldn't smell it. You know, a lot of Christians are burying their bone, <laughs> burying their talent, and they forget where it was. And in fact, in the parable, what did the Lord say? Take it from him and give it to somebody else. Somebody else that's willing to use their ability for the Lord. Don't bury your bone. Don't bury your talent. I've got the bone now. <laughs> you know, whether you dig ditches, decorate palaces, as 1 Corinthians 10.31 tells us, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do it to the best of your ability. And people notice. When you do a good job, even if it's on your own time, for them, they notice. One Italian farmer said to me, I mean, I can't do his... his he came out from Italy and he's been here 50 years and I said to him, if a first of man were fussier, I wouldn't be back here fixing this. <laughs> and he got the point and he walked off. <laughs> I was too fussy making it look right. He didn't care if it looked all humpity dump, but I liked it all as a back, back into a creek and so forth. Yeah, we need to do it. To the glory of God, God's going to be in my inspector and he will, we will give an account for all that we do to him one day. Had to do it. Grumpily, <laughs> joyously, hilariously, as we'll see in a minute, about another gift, talent that we might have. So, <clears throat> good stewards of our talents and do it all to the glory of God. Be a good steward, thirdly, of your testimony. This is one that's probably not thought of much. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 12. Verse 
And we read there, having your conversation, and that is your behavior in life, honest among the Gentiles. Now, you see, talking to Jewish people, to the Jews scattered abroad, Peter is. And so that's why he referred to among the Gentiles. And so we can say, as Christians, have your conversation, your behavior honest among people that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. We cannot avoid the responsibility of influence. People saw you leaving to come to church today. They probably saw you last week. I know that when Brother Weeks was here and he'd walk up the hill, sometimes he used to run up the hill when he was younger, but uh, he'd get out on the... (laughs) the driveway there and, and do his stretches. You know, band, twist, so he wasn't... <clears throat> but across the road, <laughs> they're peeking out the windows. What's this bloke up to? <laughs> but people peek out the windows and look at what you're doing. They listen to you talking. Oh, yeah, across the fence. You've done it, haven't you? Here to the keyhole or whatever. <laughs> We do that. And they listen to what you're talking about. And whether you're talking about them. Or whether you're talking about what. <laughs> whether you're arguing with one another. I had a, a, a fellow that lived next to us. The, the, they, I don't know, they bought the place. Yeah, they bought the place. And he was training for the Baptist ministry. And we <clears throat> sadly they've divorced. He and his wife. Not independent Baptist ones, but uh, they do that too. But they <clears throat> could be heard arguing. You know, you can't help but hear it. And you thought there's troubles there. And it had ended. It ended in that way. Sad. But there was a testimony that was being pulled down by their very behavior in the community. Chapter 3 and verse 15. It says there, that's in First Peter again, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man to ask you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. When people see your testimony and see it's consistent and see that it, you know, it's truthful and honest, they will ask you about your faith. Why do you go there? Why do you believe that? What is it that makes you different from the world around you? Let's go to <clears throat> Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, verse 7 and 8. Good stewards of your testimony. Don't blow your testimony. Don't blow up. Don't at work. Have a good testimony. Verse 14. <clears throat> chapter 14 and verse 7, sorry. None of us liveth to himself, no man dieth to himself. For whether you li- we live, we live unto the Lord, or whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. It's the testimony. It's what's We're read as a book by the pe- people around us, by our own family, our own children, our grandchildren, and our, and our extended family. We're read as a book. We might be criticised for our stands we take, but we're read. <laughs> We have a testimony. What's your testimony in the community? 
Now, because we've been here so long, it happens that, you know, you get to know community. You get to know people. And some people have come back, non-Christians, and said about folks that did come, have, aren't coming, did come to the church here. Not a good testimony. They didn't say good testimony, but why is this person who goes to your church doing this? Bad. Really bad. They would never come to the church because of that person's testimony. I pray that that's not the case. And I think in the majority of cases, most of us here haven't got that sort of testimony. But when that's been said of you by unsaved people, unsaved people know what Christians should live like. They've got a better standard for you than themselves, of course, but they know what Christian means, many of them. And they hold you to a higher standard. And so ought we, we're the sons of God, we're children of the Lord Jesus, <clears throat> we're in his bride. Chapter 14 of Romans and verse 20. <clears throat> for meat destroy not the work of God all things indeed are pure but it is evil for that man who eateth with offence it's good neither to eat flesh nor drink wine nor anything by which our brother is stumbleth or is offended or is made weak testimony don't dash your testimony and make it hard for a weaker brother to live the Christian life in, in that there <clears throat> now the one We've got to get to this one. We've got a little time. Be a good steward of your treasures. Ah, he's talking about money. <laughs> That's right, because God does. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I believe that all or everything that's passed through our bank account, or fingers, if whatever you want to say, we must give an account for. As it say about pennies, take care of the pennies and the older people, then the pounds will take care of themselves. I think I've still got a, a two bob, bob bit and a pound and all that. I kept some from way back there, 64, wasn't it? But... Um, take care of the pennies and the pounds will take care of themselves and I think we need to be wise about that which God gives us the treasures of life and this chapter of 1st Timothy chapter 6 speaks of it in verse 17 let's just look at a couple of verses you can read the rest charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good and that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that, when, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Going back to verse 7 of the same chapter, for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can take nothing out. Okay, be a good steward of those things that God has blessed you with financially. <clears throat> and this is going to be quick, I pray. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you want to read more about that, tie it with second, I mean, 1 Timothy chapter 6, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Paul instructs the church there at Corinth on the giving to the Lord's work. 
Second Corinthians. I got first. <clears throat> and in verses 1 to 15 of chapter 8, you have the word grace used four times. And I've called it give graciously. <laughs> give graciously. <clears throat> grace giving, as other pastors have called it, I heard, I've heard them say. In verse 6 of that chapter, in so much that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace. And it's talking about giving, the grace of giving also. In verse 7, Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. Grace giving. Graciously giving to the Lord's work. So give to the Lord's work graciously. Haven't time to look at it all? It goes down to verse 15. Verse 15 says, As it is written, He that hath gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. <laughs> Let's back up because some people say 10%. Was in the Old Testament, the tithe, they called it in the Old Testament. But as you read through those 15 verses, I think there's something else appears here. Verse 11, Therefore perform, perform the doing of it, as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance. Don't just think about it, do it. Out of that which ye have. Out of that which you what? Have. Not what you have not got. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that which a man hath, not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened, but there be equality, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply of their want, that their abundance also may be a supply of your want, that there be equality. You were here of um, our government redistributing wealth, and they've done it through the tax system. And you can't get away from it. <laughs> Big companies, higher earning people, pay a lot more tax. A lower, and they call it redistributing wealth. In a way, it's unfair if that person has been very diligent in saving that. And uh, when you get older and you've saved, you're on your own. But those that haven't saved, they get it from the system. They'll have to all give an account for the way it's set up. But uh, it's sort of diligent, hard-working people have to pay and other people don't, who have slacked off in their life and haven't given to the system. We got here on good roads today, paved roads. The water keeps coming to your tap. Gas keeps coming. All this infrastructure is put together by governments. You know, we ought to appreciate and be thankful for an organised system. Go to a country that hasn't got it. Then you say, wow, I'm glad I live in Australia. <laughs> but that's because of the tax system and the way it works. Give but here, there's to be an equality in giving. Let's not one person be burdened with all the giving and another person slack off. You see, a person that slacks off may well have spent their money on themselves. 
and the other person has to pick up the slack to keep God's work going. It shouldn't be that way. We all should take our part of the burden. That's what it's saying here. Let's not burden one and ease the other. Let's have equality in the giving. We have the story of the widow with her what? How much did she have in the bank? Two mites. How much did she give? 100%. Wow. <laughs> she was poor, yet she gave. But that, those little two mites wouldn't have done much, not compared with whatever shekels the, the rich man gave. But in God's eyes, that would have done a lot. <laughs> That's where we need to, whose eyes we need to see it through. Give graciously. Give generous, generously. Chapters 9 of Second Corinthians and verses 6 and 7. But this I say, he who soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. There's reward for giving. If you want to lose out, don't give. You want to be blessed. In, and, and it doesn't mean in this life only, but in the life to come. Give. Give generously. Give graciously. Give gladly. In the last part of verse 7 of Second Corinthians 9. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. When I want gifts because you've been compelled to give... You give because you move from your heart to give. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. God loveth a cheerful, glad giver. For the sake of an outline, give gladly, cheerfully. <clears throat> I knew a, and we, we all know the person, but a person that was so moved by people advertising and you know, the Red Cross and the fire appeal and the flood appeal and all appeals that come, um, the, the blind dogs and the, you know no not the blind dogs the blind dog society <laughs> the difference there and they were they were oh, I, I give that and get the pensioner and one day they went to buy their food and the the card was rejected oh, why well you got no money in your bank ma'am <laughs> oh, ah that these societies had automatically you know drawn money and they had no money to live on and what am I going to do pastor I rung me up <laughs> I said you got to stop it tried to stop it and couldn't stop it so went to the bank cancelled my bank account cancelled everything and started a new bank account <laughs> and that stopped everything because <laughs> there's nothing there more to draw but you have to be wise in what you give to too <laughs> and uh, in, in charity and that if you've got a lot, you know, a person that is on, what's the minimum wage today? 600 and something dollars? That's pretty basic. I don't know. But if, if you're on that, you have to pay the bills. You've got to pay the bills. But if you're on, uh, I'm not I'll go way over so I'm not treading on toes, $10,000 a week, okay? Anyone? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, at the end of the week, what will you have? You'll have more to give. And if you're a Christian, and that's what it's saying here, if God it to give, give it. And God will bless you for that. And do, let not your arms be seen, you know, your arms in doing things for others. Do it without being, knowing that you're doing it. And that's where the reward comes. And God does meet the needs of those people. Give gladly, give generously, give graciously, give regularly. And it's first, first Corinthians chapter 16 there, where the first day of the week. And Paul said that there be no gatherings when I come. When you gather together, 
give to the purpose for which that offering is being given. That was on the day that they met there and give gladly, give regularly. And on the first day of the week is when we meet together. That's when it can be done. And we've set up a system where you can do it during the week, whatever that BSB number and so forth. <laughs> give equitably. And we've already said this, if someone else is carrying your load and you're, you think you're getting away with it, don't, as an Englishman would say, don't be daft. <laughs> because God knows you're not getting away with it. God's got an account book going. <laughs> He's keeping a record of all the things that we do, privately and publicly. And God knows. So give gradedly as God has blessed you with, which we just gave an example. Give willingly. Um, <clears throat> chapter 8 and verse 12 of Second Corinthians. First, a willing mind, a willing mind. If you give against your will, there is no blessing. If you don't give, you will pay in eternity. So that's just a warning that goes with that, <laughs> willingly. Don't give grudgingly. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 10 and also 2 Corinthians 9 verse 17. Oh, sorry, verse 7 again. They're not grudgingly, not grudgingly. God loves a hilarious giver and we always use the example of Mr. Wilson, don't we? Because he's in glory now. He, uh, he, he, he sat over here somewhere and he... Um, <coughs> He wrote on his $50 notes, goodbye, mate. <laughs> and then he put it in the offering. <laughs> now, that's desecrating government property. <laughs> but that's just the way he was, a bubbly character he was. <laughs> but he, 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 he gave gratefully. <clears throat> um, lovingly, give lovingly. Um, in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3, uh, giving... Uh, how's it go? <clears throat> yes, right. If you give everything to the poor and don't do it lovingly, no blessing, no profit. Give lovingly. Give gratefully. Give gratefully. Um, Matthew 6, 21 and 24. Ecclesiastics 5, 10. We've been given everything anyway. <laughs> it's all the Lord's. Let's just commit ourselves to him. Give or it might be grabbed from you. It's a warning from the Old Testament. We've run out of time for the sermon today. And we haven't even got through the second point. Be good stewards of your treasures. I tell you, we're going to stand before the Lord. Why don't we close with looking at that one in the Old Testament, the minor prophet of Haggai. It's in Malachi and Haggai. Haggai, just before Zechariah, in chapter 1 and verse 4 to 11. <clears throat> chapter 1, verse 4, says this. It's time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house to lie waste. Is it time? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, you have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, and you are not filled with drink. You, cl you clothe yourselves, but there is none warm. <clears throat> and he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it in a bag with holes. 
Does it seem like the money doesn't go far enough? Consider your ways, he said again in verse 7. Go up and build the house of the Lord. In other words, concentrate on the spiritual, not on the physical. I was working one day in a big job with my brother on another machine, and it was over acres, making a big dam. And I'd walk back to the car, to the ute, and I'd come back, and then I'd look for my keys. Where's my my keys? Gone. (gasps) There's a hole in my pocket. And I'd walked a long way, and the machines were roaring all over the place, digging dirt, and and I have to go home tomorrow, back here to preach. It was... (laughs) No, never find them. A bag with holes. And I tried to follow my footsteps back to the car, and there were the keys. (laughs) That was a relief, because I was able to get back here on Sunday, but... Folks, when the money gets out of the hole in the bag, it's not going to be returned. You won't find it. Once it's spent, it's gone. It's like water out of a dam. And so we need to watch that we don't put our money in a bag with holes because God is watching as God is saying, no, you're not doing what you should be doing. I said before once when I preached on giving, (laughs) if you want to go Old Testament, if God gave you 10%, Ten times what you give to the church and the Lord's work, what would you get per week? Okay? You know. That's between you and God. I don't, I don't want to know. <laughs> but if God gave you ten times what you give, because that's ten percent, and you keep the ninety. Be like, be like Mr. Latorno. What did he do? He gave ninety percent and kept ten percent. He went broke. <laughs> <laughs> But he, he, he rose Phoenix from the ashes again. And um, I like him because he's a bulldozer man. <laughs> and he invented things I've driven for years. But he gave, he gave. And in those sort of jobs, you can. They're pretty big. A lot of, lot of, lot of money. <laughs> so <clears throat> what are you doing with your treasures? And the other one you'd like to look up in your own time is Malachi chapter 3, verse 7 to 10 there about the Lord's warning to those that say, well, my treasure is mine. Ah, God gave you health to earn it. And that's often prayed up here after the offering. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the ability, the jobs, and the ability to earn that money that we might give to your work. And the last one, be good stewards of, your, of gospel truth. And maybe we'll consider that another day. But we have, if we're Christians, in our lives, a wonderful thing. We've been saved from our sin. We have the gospel that we can share with other people that Jesus Christ died, was buried and rose again and we can share that with others. Be a good, or use this talent, this stewardship of gospel truth. And I say the truth in Christ, said Paul, I lie not. I have continual sorrow in my heart for my brethren, my kinsmen, fellow Jews, according to the flesh. He said he prayed, he prayed, he preached, he did everything he could to get the gospel to people who are lost. Let's have that motive too. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Oh, Lord, it doesn't leave us in any doubt about a lot of things, everything. We thank you that you've revealed these things and that we might live them and do them. Not for other people that they might see, but that we might be seen of you to be doing from our hearts 
what is pleasing and right and what brings blessing to others, to your work, and even to ourselves for eternity. Lord, bless us now as we part, and may we go on our way rejoicing. In Jesus' name, amen.